Hello and welcome to the Seattle interview series number 12. I am here with Bethany Balser. Uh, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Um, out of Hudsonville, Michigan, you know, the NWSL Rookie of the Year and Second 11 2019. I'm going to get right into the early career stuff. What sort of role did your parents play in your path to the NWSL? You know, your mom being a three sport athlete and your dad being involved with sports. What kind of impact or influence did they have on you and your journey? Yeah, so they put me in soccer at such a young age because, um, yeah, they were just both athletic. They wanted us to try sports and soccer just kind of stuck with all of my siblings and me included. And so um, my parents are very competitive in nature, and I think they obviously instilled that in us. And so having that spirit to carry it with me through the the 20 some years I've played soccer for. Um, so they, they really were just an incredible support system and just wanted us to have fun. If soccer wasn't it, then they would have supported us however, but um, as I said, it stuck. And um, so they were really influential in terms of just being a good backbone, um, being those parents who just always showed up and wanted to see us succeed and to grow our talent as much as possible. Would you say that having those four other siblings helped your competitive nature at all or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we all, all five of us are so competitive, whether it's a simple board game or a sports game, like we, we just love, love competition and we always want to be better than the other. So um, growing up, that was just something in our household that was always there. So you go to Spring Arbor University. What memories do you still hold from your time there? You know, you win two NAIA national championships, three-time NAIA national player of the year, four-time first-team All-American, you know, school's leading scorer. Obviously, there are some good things, you know, sports-wise, but what memories do you hold uh, from your time in university? Um, yeah, definite. That first national championship uh, holds a special place in my heart because my sister was a senior at the time on the team and I was a freshman. And so just to share that moment with her um, was absolutely incredible. And, and to get to play the whole season with her and come out like that was was awesome. Um, I, I just love Spring Arbor for, for more than soccer. And in particular, the team really just felt like a family. So you know, we, we drove a bus to every single game. So, you know, just those little moments in between that not everybody sees are things that I'll remember. And I have friendships um, that I still keep up with to this day uh, with girls on that team. So um, obviously the championships and winning conference all four years was is special and, and awesome that we get to say that, but um, yeah, just the, those friendships and those moments in between. It's always, you know, better, I'm sure as an experience, you know, when you're part of a team and it doesn't necessarily feel like a team is like, oh, I got to go to practice. Like, oh, I get to see, you know, this group of people again. That's what, you know, I always look to sports to growing a sort of, uh, you know, family in. Um, and then how was your time with the Seattle Sounders women's team? How did that, how was your time there? And, you know, do you have any, you know, memories that stick out from your time with them? Yeah, that was an absolutely incredible experience and one that really kind of catapulted me to where I am today. Um, a really cool and neat experience just to play with girls um, at a high level, like a lot of girls from the Pac-12 um, was who I was playing alongside. So just gave me a good gauge of where I was at because I, I didn't really know um, if I could compete at that level. So uh, that was super fun. And obviously I knew um, that 
the rain were pretty close by and there was probably some connection there. So I did it for the exposure as well. Um, that was just fun. I mean, the group that we had when I was there really just clicked well and we ended up winning the the nationals that year for that summer league. And so that, that was super cool. And one of my current team, a few of my current teammates now on the rain actually played on the Sounders women team with me. So um, it's cool to have that memory to share together, but um, yeah, it, it was just an overall like really good experience um, and gave me a lot of clarity um, on the fact that I could move forward uh, with my soccer career. How different, you know, was it for you to, you know, you come from Michigan uh, and then you come over to Seattle, you know, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure you knew there's, oh, it rains here all the time, blah, blah, blah. What, what were your, what was your thinking when it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to Washington state. I'm going to Seattle. What, what did you think about? Um, I knew it would be a lot different. Um, it kind of was just like a little culture shock. Um, a lot, just a lot of things out here that just aren't there in Michigan, you know, um, a lot more diversity, a lot more broad views that I just didn't know. And so to dive into that was really exciting um, because it allowed me to grow as a person. But um, I, I was just excited. Um, I didn't care where I was playing. I just wanted to play and be on a team. And so the fact that it was Seattle and it's been like just this incredible fit, I'm extremely blessed that um, it worked out that way. So I guess the weather didn't exactly necessarily get better, better, maybe a little bit. I mean, I know we don't get as much snow, but did, does that matter to you at all? Or is this like, Hey, I live here. That doesn't really factor in. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I like snow. That's what I like about Michigan, the four unique seasons. Um, but what I love about like Seattle is there's no humidity in the mm -hmm. summer. Um, Cause I hate that about the Midwest. Um, and then yeah, I haven't really truly spent like a full winter here. So I don't think I've experienced the rain to the fullest, which part of me hopes I never do because people are like, it literally rains every day. And I'm like, I don't know if I could handle that. I do need some sun, some vitamin D every once in a while to peek through. Um, but, but no, I honestly, the weather here is, is pretty moderate and mild, which I enjoy a lot. And the summers here are beautiful. So. Yeah, to put any sort of truth to anything about the weather here, I mean, it's more gray than anything. You know, it doesn't always rain. Obviously, I say that in the past few days, it's been pouring. But um, yeah, full Seattle winters, things don't really get interesting until February. Then we get these, I don't know if you saw it. I mean, we got a little bit of it this past, uh, I guess that was just last month, um, just pouring of snow. And it's like, oh, okay, you know. Um, to get back on track uh, with the rain, how did that supplemental contract, you know, in 2019, 2019, pardon me, how did that come to fruition? What led into that and uh, what steps came to making that happen? Yeah, so following the draft, when I didn't get drafted, um, I had received an open invitation um, to the rain preseason. So basically, I was just, you know, a trialist player trying to earn my spot on the team. There was about six or seven of us all fighting for like one or two spots. And so um, just week after week, I had to continue to prove myself. And um, eventually I was one of the last ones there. And initially it was just going to be um, like a world cup replacement player contract. So 
Um, when girls left, I would just kind of fill in and um, I could train with the team throughout the whole season, but would just, you know, have that little window of opportunity. And I was okay with that. I was like, I, I just want to get my foot in the door. Um, but then, yeah, the weekend leading up to our first game, I got a call from the coach asking if I wanted to sign like the full team contract um, for the whole entirety of the season. And I was like, absolutely. And so um, that, that was just crazy. I, I wasn't expecting it. I, I was content with, with my original contract, but um, to receive that offer was obviously the, the start of something and a dream come true. So I, I, to address the question that I'm going to ask next, because I have outdated stuff here. This is when, you know, the team played in Memorial Stadium. Obviously it was Seattle rain and not Noel rain. But um, so you've been playing in Cheney Stadium as the home stadium. What are your thoughts on that, you know, on that stadium that now that you've, you know, kind of got some more, uh, you've got some time with it under your belt? Yeah, um, it's been good. It's It's been an adjustment, I think, but... I think we play really well at home and I think we truly have a home field advantage. There are certain things about the field that we're just used to that other teams aren't. Um, it is a little smaller in size, but we like make the most of it when we play against teams. So I personally enjoy it because I do feel like it gives us an edge in games. Um, and obviously there's not a ton of grass options around uh, Seattle Tacoma area. So it, it, it does the job and we're very grateful to have it. So would you say that in that sort of debate, you prefer the grass field? Yeah, I, I do prefer grass, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's always kind of one when I think about soccer, I'm like, well, you know. Um, what was your reaction, you know, to winning that Rookie of the Year award in 2019? What sort of emotions go through your head? What, you know, what goes through your mind? What, what, was, that pro what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was, it was a crazy rookie year because I really just had a mentality of I have nothing to lose. You know, I've come from this small school. People don't expect much from me. Um, I signed this contract and I just want to get playing time and get good training in because I know I have a lot to develop. And so as the year went on, I was just getting more minutes and I was scoring goals. Um, and then people started throwing my name around for that. I was kind of like, whoa, like I just was not expecting it at all. Um, but obviously incredibly like grateful and humbled by it. Um, and the NWSL is just so interesting because when I was thrown into it, like it just, it requires you to grow. Like you have to grow quickly and you have to, you know, rise to the occasion. And so with my mentality, if I have nothing to lose, I felt like I was able to kind of just thrive. And I, the coaches and players just gave me the space to kind of just be who I am as a player. And I didn't feel confined in any way. And so I think that just allowed me the freedom and I wasn't fearful. So I think as a rookie, that is very important is to not play with any fear and that I feel like that defined my, my rookie season. And so, yeah, to receive that reward was nothing I ever expected in my wildest dreams. So do they, do you have the personal award somewhere hanging around or you don't really care for awards? I think it's at like my home in Michigan. I think my parents have it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't have it like hanging up around here or anything like that. Um, so how was your time with the U.S. Uh, women's national team in 2019? And what would you say that you learned during your time there? What kind of lessons or advice did you take back with you after that experience? Yeah, that was absolutely incredible. And again, just like another stepping stone in my career that I've been wanting to have. And um, 
the the coach I had at the my rookie year of the rain actually had become yeah Vlaco is now the head coach there so just to have that connection was really huge and I know Vlaco knows me as a player and so just to see him in that environment and learn from him in it what was incredible and um, it's just like another step up from pro even you know got the best of the best and so um, again it it's very competitive um, and just requires you to be at your best and that's something I love. And I always try to rise to the occasion when I get in those positions. If you were to have some weird reality where you got to speak to your younger self, what would you, what would you tell young Bethany at the time? Would it be to, you know, just play fearlessly like you kind of spoke about or what, what advice would you, Oh, pardon me. We have a house phone and it's uh, not supposed to go off. I apologize for that. That's awkward. Um, we're going to pretend like that didn't happen. Uh, so whether it be, you know, young you or, you know, if a young fan were to say, hey, you know, what, what advice can you give me so I can be in the position that you are? What, what, what advice would you give? I think a lot of it would be just to put your head down and do what's best for you. You know, make decisions um, that will put you in the best environment for you. Um, I truly believe that everybody's journey is different. Everybody's path is different and that it, it's a beautiful thing. And, and I truly believe that what's meant for you will come to you, but you have to put in the work. And so, yeah, just controlling the things that you can control, um, working your hardest, working when nobody's watching, all those little things that go on behind the scenes um, that people usually don't, don't think about. Um, and, yeah, I, yeah, just playing fearlessly and, and being yourself, you know, don't let any coach or team try to take away, you know, that hidden spark that you have um, and, and figure out what it is that, that you possess that um, coaches will need and make sure that it's, it's being shown on the field. So the number 24, your jersey number, does that have any sort of special meaning to you or is that, oh, this is the number I was given? I'm just going to rock with it. Is there a story behind the number 24 for you? There's not. Um, when I got it, I, I mean, I was told I could have any number 24 and above. So I was like, I'll, I'll take 24 and run with it. And I, you know, when I got it, I was like, you know, Kobe, that's like, this is, you know, I thought of him instantly, you know, um, and I've just kept it because I like in high school, I had one number I switched when I was in college and now I'm at 24 and pro and I'm just going to keep it and like have that be my number for this phase of life. Um, so, so yeah, now, now it has a little more special meaning to it, but yeah. So consistency kind of seems to be a trend in Jersey numbers for you yes. kind of stick with it. Don't really mess around with it. I got you. Yeah. Um, this goes back a little bit to what we talked about. In, sort, in terms of the Pacific Northwest in general, what do you think about it now that you've got a little bit more time, you know, you spend here, you know, what do you think about it overall, you know, whether it be the fans or just, you know, the layout of the land? Uh, what are your thoughts on the Pacific Northwest? I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> I really am. I cannot get over the views. I cannot get over the mountains. Um, there's so much to explore and I love it. I love any off day where I can get outside and just be in the nature in, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, it's absolutely incredible. That's by far my, my favorite part. I 
could look at Mount Rainier all day and just stare at it and be content with my life. It's hard to beat days when, you know, the mountain's out and just like, hey, you know, just kind of look over there and it makes me wish I had an actual camera, but you know. Mm. Um, what was your first impression of Megan Rapino, and what kind of experiences, what kind of interactions have you had with her? Uh, it was incredible. She, she was so great to me. Um, my rookie year, I kind of was playing her position because she was injured a little bit and then she went to the World Cup. So I took like the outside forward position and I never forget like coming in at halftime of, of home games when she was there and she would just be feeding me information, like giving me advice. And I was so appreciative of that because she didn't have to do that. Um, but she wanted to see me grow as a player. And so to have someone like her to look up to and invest in me and care um, and not think that she was above anybody um, was just amazing to me and, and super telling of her character and who she is as a person. And so um, nothing but good things to say about her. If I had to put you on the spot and ask if you have a funniest current teammate, could you do it? Or is it, you know, you've got a couple people or is there some person that you could narrow down and say, they are definitely by far away the funniest teammate that I've got? Oh, goodness. Yeah, can't narrow it down to one. Um, <laughs> that's tough. Um, there are some girls that just make me laugh every day. I think of Ziara King, Sam Hyatt, Madison Hammond, Leah Pruitt, my roommate, like some, some of my homegirls, you know, we're always dancing in the locker room, cracking jokes, um, on and off the field. They're just so fun to be around. You mentioned uh, dancing in the locker room a little bit. I did read uh, about that there used to be a sort of uh, locker room DJ. Has the position been filled at this current? Because I know that it was it was open for a bit and uh I, I I saw that you vehemently you were like no I'm not taking that spot is there anybody that's kind of stepped up or is it how is how, how is that uh current position right now it's it's kind of floating around because we have we have this like team iPod that just kind of gets passed around Sofia Huerta takes it up a lot of times um if it's you know after training and it's silent, I'm usually one of the first ones to be like, okay, got to break this silence. So I do, I have picked it up a little bit recently. Okay, okay. People have appreciated what I put on. So that's good. I was nervous about that. Um, but yeah, so Sophia usually is the one on game days who will take over. I know that, uh, I don't know if it's just because it, he put new music out or what, but there's been a lot of Justin Bieber buzz. Uh, and I know that, I think he was actually in Seattle this week so I don't know how that goes but you know interesting to read about you know it's like oh yeah I'm not going to take that position to, oh you know now uh even reading about I don't remember if it was in uh college uh, about having to sing uh in the locker room uh when you scrimmage and if your team lost that was uh, it was pretty interesting to see just how you know the locker room goes uh and how you know sort of a bonding thing even if you know you don't like singing, you know. Um, so, you know, interesting to touch on. I do have to ask, not related to singing, is your headband that you wear, is that a special type of headband or uh, what's the story behind that? Is it just kind of just a different uh, brand or? Yeah, it's just like a concussion prevention oh. headgear. Um, I've been wearing one ever since I can remember, probably started in middle school. My parents just like, made me wear it 
um, in high school, like it was the cool thing to do. Like most girls on my team wore it. And then it, then it just kind of became like a confidence thing. Like I wore it and I felt good going up for headers. Like they didn't hurt when people hit my head, I couldn't feel it. So oh. I kind of just stuck with it. There've been times when I've tried to like veer away from it. I'm like, Beth, you don't need this anymore. And then I'll get hit once and be like, your head's too sensitive now. Like you have to wear it. So for me now it's just like a confidence thing. And yeah. I, cause I remember noticing, you know, I was like, that, I don't know. I was like, I can't tell if that's just a standard headband or it's like, and then I kind of read about the kind of like, Oh, okay. Confession makes a lot more sense than just standard headband. Yeah. Um, how important is it for you to use your platform as a professional athlete to speak on different issues that, you know, are affecting the world today, you know, from obviously black lives matter social justice, and even, you know, mental health, some things that, you know, in the past, people maybe didn't want athletes to speak on them, or, you know, maybe, you know, just weren't even talked about, uh, there wasn't that conversation being had, how important is it for you to use your platform to kind of, you know, bring awareness to these things? Yeah, it's so important, it's something that I'm still learning how to use, and still learning the value that it has, Um, just knowing that there are more eyes on you, and knowing that, people, people see what you post and they see how you are representing the marginalized and how you are destigmatizing things. And just to see the feedback that I get when I do speak out about anxiety or, um, do post about black lives matter. Um, it can, it just has so much more influence than I think people realize. And it gets people thinking, and that's all I want. I just want people to, to know why they believe what they believe. And if I can just get get the gears turning in their head, then, then that's awesome. And so to be able to have that platform and, and to use it in whatever capacity that looks like, um, I'm super honored and I'm just hoping that I'm using it to the best of my ability and touching people's lives and letting them know that that they're not alone in, in what they're thinking or feeling. And um, yeah, just trying to use it for good and to better this world. You know, it's uh, part of the reason I started this whole podcast and the weekly show and obviously now moving into interviews uh, was because one of the factors was that there was a paper that asked, you know, should athletes use that platform? And I was like, obviously that's a yes for me, but it's like, you got to kind of go into why, you know, and just seeing different examples of people being told to not use their platform, obviously just go and do the sport that you play, you know, but like you said, having people think about why they believe what they believe, I think you, you worded it well there, you know, because if you don't have that conversation, you might not get to the root of the issue. So I really, that's always something that I want to talk about. If that's something that I noticed from an athlete, I'm like, Hey, you know, they obviously use that platform. Um, And I did think that was important to touch on and kind of relating with the 2020 fall series, you know, obviously the pandemic changes a lot of things. Things are a lot different than a normal game day what was that series like for you and how did that, you know, what, uh, what are you looking forward to this season that might be different, hopefully, you know, uh, from 2020? Yeah, that, that challenge cup last year was crazy. And I learned so much about myself, so much about black lives matter. Like there was just so much going on from soccer to personal things to, national issues you know and so it it was just a lot and to handle that all within a bubble and not being able to go anywhere just caused a lot of growth 
a lot of tears, you know, just a lot of, it was overwhelming to say the least. And yeah. so I'm definitely looking forward to just expanding that now that like we have, I just feel like we have this like space to breathe now and, you know, just really dive into that as fully as we can. Um, whether it's like me dealing with my anxiety or talking to, to my black teammates about what we can do to, you know, fix the racist racism problem we have in America. Um, and then also just to get our minds right for soccer. Right. I think I, what I'm looking forward to is, is to just being able to play games and have a sense of freedom that I guess we didn't really have last year because it did feel very not, not suffocating. Cause it, it, it was, a, it was great that we were able to play. Um, but it was just under very tough circumstances. And so to kind of be released of that this year um, is what I'm really looking forward to. I spoke with uh, Jewel Lloyd about her time in the Wubble um, and she kind of likened it to summer camp. Would you, would you agree with that sort of an analogy or? Yeah. I mean, it was go, go, go. You're going from one thing to the next, but also like you have to stay in your hotel and this is, you know, you can't roam around. You can't um, do, do things that might ease your mind. You just have to like put your head down and, do everything you're asked of and be expected to perform. How did you and the team focus on just being the team in that environment? You know, cause I'm sure at some point you'll be like, Hey, I don't necessarily want to be around these people right now. You know, mm-hmm. how did you as a group, you know, kind of stay as a group in that time and, you know, use that as an experience to grow and further that bond as a team. Yeah, we, did there were a lot of like still team activities we did um together um we would watch other games in the tournament together but we also um had like a like a a book study but it was directed at the black lives matter movement and just racism in the past and so that was very informative and we were able us us white players were able to listen to our black teammates and and just learn in that sense and that created like i think such a special bond and a special understanding that kept us close. Um, but yeah, there were some times where you just need to go take a lap around the hotel just to be released from it all. But um, I think we did the best we could with what we had. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely interesting to hear that as somebody who's not in it, you know, just hear how that is. You know, obviously people see it, you know, oh, they're getting to play their games, they're in a hotel, but you don't really think about, hey, what kind of challenges are you dealing with just having to stay in a hotel? Can't go on a walk, can't go look at, you know, any of those things like maybe route name near or just take time for yourself, you know? Um, so I definitely thought that was really interesting to think about. And has the pandemic changed the way that the team keeps in contact or uh, how is that going? You know, normally um, I'm sure teams have, you know, sort of off season things, maybe, you know, get together, have a group chat. How are things, you know, maybe different, if at all, uh, have they been throughout the pandemic? Um, not terribly different. Um, off season's kind of everybody's own thing. Um, they're not, not like that's our time to be away. And then when we show up, obviously we're all in. Um, there's, it's definitely provided um, interesting ways that we can stay connected. So we just have more like informational Zoom calls, I think, as a team about, you know, exercises we're doing or um, just like opportunities to meet with like a team psychologist or a team nutritionist, like 
those opportunities that might not have been able to um, occur under normal circumstances, like now I can just hop on a Zoom call with someone and, and talk to them, um, which is which is a blessing. So, but in, in general, nothing has changed too much about that. Is there any current aspect of your game that you're working on currently, or is it, do you not focus necessarily on anything like that? You just kind of, you know, go through training as I guess normal in a way, or is there anything that you say, Hey, I need to work on this. Um, there are certain days I definitely try to focus on a certain thing. And sometimes, um, our coach and assistant coach will tell us to come in early and we'll work on something very specific, um, with them. Um, for me, it's usually like just watching film. And then I say, Hey Beth, we got to like be more conscientious of this in training. Um, and then kind of go from there. But in, in general, it's kind of a, a broader picture of how can I just make my overall game better and cleaner. How would you say that you as a player have grown, you know, since that time at Spring Arbor? Wow. Um, I, I worked hard in college, but nothing compared to what I've been doing now. Um, you just being in the pros requires a whole new level of mental strength and physical strength. And so I feel like I have evolved in that sense of I've, I've like learned just how to be a more sacrificial player, you know, make that extra run mm-hmm. or even if I'm not going to get the ball type of thing or track that defender back. So my teammate doesn't have to just things like that, that can actually go a long way. Like seeing my other teammates do that encouraged me to do that. And I think that's been something that's kind of elevated me as a player and been able to take me to this next level and sustain me through it. How would you say, and then to go to this part, oh my goodness, again, I apologize. This was not supposed to happen. Um, How would you say that you've changed as a person since that time in college? Wow. Um, I've changed as a person so much. Um, I've really been able to just see so many different types of people, so many different types of beliefs and backgrounds and to be able to engage with them and just have more empathy towards people has been so incredible. Like that's been one of my favorite things. I love learning about people, why they are the way they are, where they come from. And so um, to be on such a diverse team um, and have teammates who are open and sharing their stories um, has been absolutely incredible. Um, and I, I could sit here and name every player and something that I've learned from them and, and how they've impacted me. So that's, that's been cool that, that being on the rain has not only grown me as a soccer player, but as a person too. It's always interesting to see that aspect because obviously, you know, I'm sure, you know, as a fan, people can say, oh, they, you know, they do better at crossing or they, you know, they take, they're more aggressive on the attack, but, you know, obviously, my point in a lot of these interviews is to get people to learn more about the person. You know, obviously I can sit here and look at all the stats and rookie of the year. That's great. You know, that, you know, all these awards and stuff, that's all good. But at the end of the day, I don't want to necessarily stay with all numbers. You know, it's more, to me, it's more about that person. So it's always interesting to see how, you know, things change as you go, you know, throughout your career. Um, just how things, you know, how you react to things. Um, with that being said, obviously, I'm sure 
for everybody. I know we can think of last year or something that we want to move forward to. Um, and then there should be, I don't remember, I think I talked about a little bit before we started here, you know, getting fans back in the stands, uh, just waiting on numbers and such. What are you most excited for in 2021 with the upcoming season? Um, but and w- whether it be just actual soccer itself or w- what is Bethany excited for this year? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go back to normalcy in terms of having a full regular season. Um, I'm so excited to have fans back. Like, I mean, we live and play for the fans. And so to be able to, you know, have that support system, especially at home and um, just to continue, I'm so excited to see women's soccer continue to grow this year. I mean, we saw record numbers last year from everything, like in terms of viewership and investment. And so I'm looking forward to continue to expand on that. I mean, it's so fun being a soccer player right now as we're in the thick of it, you know, trying to get equal pay, trying to get the things we deserve and, and know that we've earned. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out and seeing more people know that there's actually a women's professional league, you know, all that stuff, um, because people should know all that. I think, I think you posted about it. It was like ESPN, you know, I think last, last year actually like acknowledged the NWSL, you know, like the, for the first time or so. And, um, I remember for our storm here in Seattle, someone, some news outlet did a, uh, one of the reporters did a 2020 interview, little journal or whatever, failed to completely mention anything about the storm, the fact that they won a championship, you know? So with that being said, what you were talking about is a great segue, actually. Um, what would you say if I had to put you on the spot and had to have you put, provide a couple points? What would you say that, you know, major, you know, these outlets, whether it be ESPN, guys like House of Highlights, what do they need to do? What does the media need to do better, you know, as a whole? Because I'm obviously, you know, just being more involved in actually acknowledging these teams and leagues is, you know, something. But are there specifics that you would point to? Yeah, I mean, media coverage is just so lopsided. And so, I mean, media really affects culture. And so, so, so many people, sometimes you can't blame them that they don't know about these leagues because all ESPN or whatever, all they post about is NBA, NFL, like that's all they live for. And so we're just not getting exposure that we need. And simply like putting us in top 10 highlights or posting about our season starting. Um, like it's those little things and people are like, oh, like we have this and like, oh, I can like tune in and watch um, because I don't think we're getting the respect we deserve because those media outlets aren't, aren't respecting us at all. And so um, I have like, there's just some people who obviously just like don't respect women or respect women's sports and say, oh, it's boring. It's not fun to watch, but that's it's because they've just been trained over and over again to like only think of like men's sports and mm-hmm. men's sports are the only ones being broadcasted on the, on the big um, TV networks and stuff like that. And so I, I think so much could be affected simply by exposure and showing more women's highlights and, and showing what we're doing because what we're doing is amazing. We've proven that we're good, especially women's soccer. And obviously, yeah, obviously Seattle Storm winning everything. Like those things need to be broadcasted the same, if not more than men. Yeah, I think you, I think you put it into words really well. And I'm just, you know, so many examples that I can think of just 
there was one it's like uh you know basketball who's really come back off an acl injury like i don't know kevin durant but they failed to mention brianna stewart did the same thing and you know plays at such a high level still or even you know obviously our reign we've got a women's soccer team it should be mentioned you know um and i think what you said about um media driving culture is important because there might be you know a little girl out there who wants to play professional soccer one day she might not know that the wsl exists if you know that media does not continue to drive the point um and it's always interesting to see you know these sports accounts you know when the championship will come around or something or someone has a career night maybe they'll post it but it's not there you don't see these regular season things like with the nba like i could care less about what zion williamson you know was eating on the bench i could care less so i i think you you provide some good points and um it's why i'm excited to all you know talk about the storm on the weekly show here and to sort of get more into the rain um which I will say I should have started this from when I started the show, but I, it's, there's, there's never any sort of thing. Oh, I have to cover this. I'm excited. I'm, you know, I was excited for this opportunity, you know? So I think, I think you, you uh, mentioned some great points from, you know, the media driving culture to people repeatedly, repeated, repetitive, can't speak repeatedly. Uh, seeing, you know, oh, they're getting used to men's basketball and they're, you know, they're kind of conditioned the way it's like, oh, this isn't what they maybe see, you know, and just seeing uh, with women's March Madness, the whole thing about the little pathetic rack of weights compared mm-hmm. to the, you know, just stuff like that. And it's really, you know, I don't know how to accurately portray this, but it's almost, uh, it's good to see the backlash because it's like, Hey, you know, you've got to stay on these people to create change, which should, there shouldn't have to be backlash in general. I'm sorry if I'm not portraying this correctly. I'm trying to formulate this into words, but you know, it's good to see that some of these people are being held accountable, not all obviously, but continuing to work towards this um, when this should have, you know, shouldn't even have to have that conversation necessarily. It should be already done. So, you know, I appreciate your voice, your views on that. Um, and just while we're here, happy to have you on. Um, this is sort of a new segment that I'm doing. So trying to better it, but uh, sort of like a lightning round, sort of favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'll just go through it. Uh, favorite breakfast food. Avocado toast. All right. Okay. Uh, how are, where are you on the debate of waffles or pancakes? Waffles, 100%. You get a, you get a, a, a thumbs up in my book. I, you know, I don't understand. Actually, They're made from the same thing, so I don't understand how that works. Um, favorite game day meal? Game day meal. Probably a rice bowl with a bunch of veggies. Favorite pair of cleats to play in? Adidas Nemesis. Okay, okay. Favorite Pacific Northwest restaurant? Oh, goodness. Um, that one caught me off guard. Favorite? 
can tell I don't go out much. Um, <laughs> All right, trying to put you on the spot here a little bit. It's working, it's working. I love pokey, so any pokey place. Okay, I got you. Favorite Pacific Northwest scenic site? Mount Rainier. Gotcha. Figured that might have been an easy choice. <laughs> uh, favorite current Netflix show? Wow. Um, I'm in transition right now with that. What did I just watch? Um, Imposters was very good, as well as Behind Her Eyes, which I think are two new ones to Netflix. So. Favorite all-time Netflix show? Schitt's Creek. Okay, okay. I haven't seen that yet. I hear that talked about a lot. I might have to get into that. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh favorite sport outside of soccer basketball okay okay i i wonder if this is going to have uh, an impact on this question favorite seattle athlete hmm. favorite seattle athletes oh, i can't pick one if you got a couple, you can, you can, I will more than accept a couple. Yeah, like, like Russell Wilson and um, Brianna Stewart, probably two, top, top two, yeah. Kind of surprised you didn't mention somebody that knows Megan a little bit well is Sue Bird. I know. I feel, I feel like Megan and Sue are just givens. I'm yeah. I got, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's uh, the power couple of Seattle. I love oh yeah. Pretty. <laughs> I mean, just thinking about that, it's like such a big impact on both of their sports in this city. Truly uh, yeah. pretty special. But um, again, I want to thank you for having me on. This is going to be my first rain interview. I've got a couple in the works, not to hint at anything, <laughs> but um, always just really excited to do anything like this, but you know, to get the rain, you know, under the coverage that I do with the weekly show and with interviews, it's, it's exciting to do any of that. So I really appreciate having you on. Do you have anything that you would like to leave uh, with people or anything that you'd like to promote? Come to rain games. <laughs> That's about it. Support women in sport. And if you can support it, you're helping decrease the deficit. So, um, but yeah, thank you for, for having me. And I'm, um, grateful that you are investing in, in women's sports it's awesome and we just love to have our voices being heard so this was fun it's, oh yeah just trying to learn and you know continue to do whatever I can you know mm -hmm. obviously I'm sure I can do more but just continuing to learn so I want to uh thank you for having me on and uh yeah thank you thanks appreciate it oh shoot Baba Bowie